When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Yeah, after more than a thousand days away from the spiritual home of NRL in New Zealand, when the Warriors returned to beat the Tigers, it was a celebration and a moment in time the fans and clubs will never forget. It can't be overstated how important it is to have the Warriors back home playing consistently for the club. And of course, the fans and the future Warriors who are up next are being looked after by the Development and Pathways Manager, Tony Udall, and he joins us on the line this morning. Morning, Tony. Morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How good is it to have the, have the boys back home in New Zealand? Yeah, I think, um, to be fair, it was, it was better for the NRL boys than us. Um, you know, just talking to some of the senior boys, uh, Tohu Harris, obviously the captain, just... I don't think they, they realised how important and how special it was going to be. So I know they're looking forward to coming back in a couple of weeks when they uh, front up against the storm. So, uh, you know, obviously it was really nice for our under-18s to mix uh, and mingle with those boys. You know, since they were last year, there was only three boys that um, played in the last game, the last time they played in Auckland. So um, there were a few new faces to get a hold of. But, yeah, special moment for the club. Mate, just around the, the development pathways that you're looking after, how's it, how's it been having no senior team, uh, I guess no, no players to, to, to look up to and the kids coming into the club working uh, in through this COVID uh, period? How's that, how's that all worked out for you? Uh, it's been tough to be fair. Like, um, I came back into the role early 21, and, and to be fair, most of uh, that year, um, yeah, there wasn't much happening. We tried to get some programs started, um, and then, of course, you know, we had lockdowns, not just nationwide, but then Auckland went through a big period of it. So uh, it's been tough for the kids, to be fair. I felt sorry for them because a lot of those kids, um, you know, they were part of, you know, the last time we had a, a youth pathways team was uh, early 2000, when uh, 2020, when the SG Ball managed to get three or four games in, and then obviously that all halted. So, yeah, a lot of those kids, um, you know, have, have been at the club. They've, you know, been in, in sessions once or twice a week, uh, and and really, you know, it's it's been a tough period for them. We've lost a number of those boys who've decided, you know, that they need to get to Australia. Um, at that 18, 19 age group to, to further their further their careers. You know, we've had to send nine boys over 
to, to train and play with Red Cliff to try and uh, keep their development going, but it hasn't been perfect. So this year's been a real re- reboot, really. So it's um, I'm, I'm really excited, you know, about what this club's talking about. Hey Tony, I just want to ask you a question about uh, personnel on the ground around the around the country. Um, I know there's some talent down here in the South Island, uh, uh, along the West Coast. So what are you and the Warriors doing to make sure you have foot traffic on the ground out in the regions to make sure that you're covering all the bases and not really just the, the Auckland area? Is that something that's hugely important for you? Oh, yes, and I think, you know, you know, we've done a number of development camps around the country this year. I mean, even we were down in Christchurch about six weeks ago. There were, you know, 120 boys from the West Coast, Christchurch. It was actually almost as many girls, which was which was uh, encouraging to see. But, um, yeah, the, the big but the big difficulty for us is outside of Auckland is, is when it's almost like we could almost just be another Aussie NRL club. Um, so we are competing with the other clubs in terms of getting those boys here. But we've contacted a few of those kids. Uh, we're looking to bring a few up. Uh, obviously, uh, in 23, we're looking at an SG ball under 19s and a reserve grade. So... That's the first step, I suppose, in terms of getting some a genuine pathway where we can we can recognise those kids outside of Auckland and actually have have an opportunity to bring them up and hopefully play in those competitions. Hey, Tom, what what are the what are the problem areas in and around like the development when you just when you say you're out in the rural areas and you're just another NRL club? What are the problem areas as far as uh, players coming into positions in New Zealand? Are we lacking? Front rowers, halfbacks, hookers. We, where is it that we're struggling to get uh, decent players coming through at the moment? Um, I think it's definitely the spine area, the halves and hookers. Um, I mean, I mean those players are, are, are in short supply in Australia to be fair, decent ones. So, any time we get um, one, one or two here, they're, we're, they're under pressure straight away from the Aussie clubs. They're always looking for them. I think we're always going to be, um, you know. We're always going to develop front rowers, back rowers, um, even outside backs. But the spine area is probably probably the, the, the one one area where we we traditionally have struggled. I think you know if you look at the way our boys are developed, you know most of our elite kids are mixing their time, you know half in rugby, half in rugby league. So it's not an ideal scenario in terms of trying to teach those kids, you know, the subtleties of our game. Um, when effectively, you know, between May and, and October, uh, they're playing a different coach. I mean, you know, the positive thing is they're using an oval ball, but we don't have, you know, the opportunity to get those boys in our system uh, for a full year. So they're always sort of a little bit uh, later in terms of uh, their development, um, in terms of, you know, if you look at the Australian system where it's 13 and 14, they're going to real strong uh, league school systems, club systems, um, that's probably the one area that that um, that we need to improve on in terms of um, developing those kids at an earlier age and, and getting our hands on them at an earlier age. But that, that's up to us develop, you know, getting the path and pathway teams where we can keep those boys uh, in our systems for a lot longer. So uh, genuine competitions, back in the day, I think it was you know, way before COVID, we had a 20s outfit that was, you know, leading the competition, winning competitions, or there or thereabouts in the finals, footy. Have we got the, the, is that back on the radar, and have we still got the depth to be able to get back to those um, those days when we were performing, and that led into the Warriors? Oh, definitely, mate. You know, like, um, 
I think next year with SG Ball, you'll see um, I'm, I'm really confident that that SG Ball team will hit the ground running. Um, the problem is with the SG Ball, it's only a 12-week season, so by, you know, by May, uh, we've got to find something else for those boys to do uh, for the back half of the year. So um, that's the, you know, the, the better ones will step straight up into reserve grade, but there's going to be a bit of a, a gap and a space for, uh, for some of the other boys in terms of continuing their development um, for those ones who aren't quite ready for senior footy. So there is still going to be a, a bit of a hole next year, but I think, you know, uh, SG Ball and reserve grade is a, is a step to, you know, hopefully keep on keeping more kids here. And then, you know, if we can keep more kids here, um, we're a better chance, I think, of developing the local club game. Um, and once we can get that local club game up to some, some good levels, then all of a sudden the pathway looks a lot lot stronger. Um, and I know the club in 24 is looking at some other pathway teams, whether that's an under-17s Harold Matts or, or a uh, Jersey Fleet uh, under-21s, which is a which is a 12-month comp, which will be another opportunity to, to throw as much league into these kids and, and, and fast-track their development. Yeah, sounds sounds really interesting. Interesting to see where their their budgets for that come from too, because I hope they do go ahead. Mate, Andrew Webster's coming to the club. I think you were the assistant coach, along with um, with uh, when Andrew McFadden was a coach, and and I think if I get it right, Andrew Webster was there also as the assistant. What's the, what's the, what's he bring to the club, Tony? Like you, you obviously know him well. What's what, what's the reason they sign him, and what does he bring? Um, I, I think obviously the first. Probably the biggest one is he's done a fairly lengthy apprenticeship uh, as an assistant coach, uh, and and probably you know the last two three years with uh, you know the benchmark club in the competition, the Penrith Panthers. So I think that's um, that's a, you know that was a strong pointer for him. I think he is a he is an offensive coach. Um, I think you know I think with Warrior fans they want to see the team play a, an open, attractive style of footy. Um, I'm, I'm sure, knowing Webby, he'll want to be doing that. He'll want to, you know, he'll want the team to express themselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's whoever came into the job, you know, it was going to be a probably going to be a tough introduction. Um, obviously, you know, the clubs had a, a tough, tough, tough couple of years, um, mm. but you know, a fresh face. Um, I think he'll bring some some great ideas. It'll be interesting to see what team he wants to put around them. But um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure he'll have a decent crack at it. And um, if he can get some of the players uh, that suit his style to come over, then um, I'm sure he'll be okay. And Stacey Jones, mate, that's a, the the question to follow. Is you know he's done quite well, I, th- I, I think, since he's taken over. What sort of asset is he to the club, and and what what part does he play going forward? Yeah, I suppose I, I'm not really sure um, where Stacey fits now. But I imagine, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he's um, he's relaxed the team a little bit. Um, I, I think uh, they're enjoying his style. Um, so yeah, where he fits in, I'm not sure. He, obviously, he's um, he's been a great halfback, and he, he does a lot of work with those that spine area. He's also an attack coach. So whether mm. him and Webby work together on that part of the part of the um, game and, and, and they find a defensive coach or, or they're using morgues again, it will be interesting to see. But um, I think he's an important part, Stace. Um, holds a lot of mana around the club. Uh, the boys love him. And I think you know, just having this, uh, this 10-week block of uh, first-grade experience will be great for him too. I think um, 
you know, he's deserved it. Uh, and as you say, I think he's doing a, doing a great job so far. Well, just before we let you go, mate, they play Parramatta tomorrow night. Who do, who do you think uh, do you think they can get him? Well, I think, you know, it's a good time to be playing Parramatta. Um, I don't think, you know, they're at the top of their game at the moment. Do you know, they've, I think they, last week they um, they sort of scraped together when against the Tigers. It was, a, it was a tough win, but I think, you know, if you're going to meet Parramatta, now's as good a time as any. I think, you know, if the boys have, can maintain a little bit of that momentum and that uh, energy that they they had last week, then there's a, there's a good chance that they can get them. I think, you know, oh, as you as you both know, that uh, the competition's pretty tight, um, you know, on any given day. If you turn up with your best, you're a chance of winning, and, and that's all they have to do. And I think, you know, hopefully with the positivity that they got uh, coming back to Mount Smart uh, a couple of weeks ago, that might be enough to get them home. Well, thanks for joining us this morning, Tone, on the Izzy and Kimby for breakfast. Uh, go well, mate, and all the best for the future with your junior uh, pathways. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, mate. Have a good day. Tony Iroh, the, uh, the Pathways Manager for the, the New Zealand Warriors. Obviously a really hard job through COVID, is he? Mm-hmm. Um, having to work here a couple of nights a week with the juniors. Lost a lot to Australia, by the sounds of it, to the school systems and competitions. Um, and got, a, got a, I guess, a bit of a lift when they came home last week. So um, good to hear that they got some junior games going back into those. Those Jersey Flags and Harold Matthew games are basically... Uh, New South Wales competitions that are played for the elite players in all of the NRL clubs. So if the Warriors can become a part of that, it's a it's a step in the right direction. Beautiful, mate. No, I love that. Love that conversation. And look, it's just, yeah, we were talking to him. You think back to the days when the 20s, mate, they were on fine and Mason Lenoff running around and, and the young players that were coming through and the product of, of the league that they were playing and putting out there. And we're, you know, winning finals and, and there or thereabouts. So the talent is here. The talent is here, and there's a message come through talking uh, from Mark asking about a St. George recruiter has just spent six weeks in the South Island watching kids. So the talent is here, and everyone knows that. But it's a bit of a race. It's a bit of a race. So that's why I ask the question, do they have you know, professional development officers or, or RDOs in every, every region? So if a young kid is playing for the small country school that they know, they know firsthand or they know first before anyone else, that this kid has got a huge future. That's what it's about. It's a race, and the NRL teams know that. And for a long time, they've been losing the races. You're right. The other teams do know that. We've got an untapped amount of resource. Um, it's one of the small cogs, or actually a massive cog, in getting the Warriors back to where they can be and reaching their potential, and we know that here. 0800-150-811. Andrew Webster, a long apprenticeship. I thought that comment was really poignant from uh, Tony Iroh, actually, Kempi. thought he made a lot of sense. He's an attacking coach, and he spent a long time soaking the game in as an apprentice. What do you think, mm. and what are your expectations for him as coach of the Warriors? 0800-150-811. Being an apprentice rather than a whiz kid, does that make you feel more comfortable? Can you see him long-term getting his way? Or is this just another cycle where we're going to have to get his coaches and his players in and it puts us back years on the clock? Double eight, double three, or the Kennard Tire phone line, 0800-150-811. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. This Saturday, the New Zealand Rugby League have their AGM. Great news, except none of the people who run the game nationally are invited to attend. Much like the New Zealand Rugby Union, Rugby League used to have 15 provincial league unions that made up the NZRL. However, all that changed when Sport New Zealand decided to change the model 
to a zone structure. This have effectively removed all stakeholder equity in our game. So this AGM, like the last 12, have been nothing really than a falsehood. The true owners of provinces have been disenfranchised of any voting rights because the failed experiment, which created seven zones, only allows these same zones to have the only seats at the table. There's no support from the majority of the community again, yet are the designated representatives of the community not elected by the community, but appointed by Sport New Zealand. While $15 million over the last two years was filtered through the head office, only 6% went to their zones and nothing went to the provincial unions. That means the top tier takes the lion's share with scraps thrown to the stakeholders. You just have to listen to people like Hune Harawera, who, have, who we've interviewed here on the show. Grassroots Rugby League gets nothing from the NZRL. How can that happen when $15 million crosses your table? It's so shameful. Ponder this. The CEO and the board elected by Sport New Zealand receive as much money as the seven zones combined, while the districts get nothing. No funding, no equity, no wonder our game is on life support. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Oh, wow. Wow, Kempe, beautiful, mate. That is crazy. That is crazy that that's even taking place. And I'll just, yeah, blown away that it's been allowed to happen, that, that no one's really even seen this. And, and, mate, you have spoke about the zones and the districts, and it's so bloody confusing. I don't even understand how it all bloody works. But, mate, it's it's how do we get away from this? What what needs to change? How do we see some sort of change? That's the question I want to throw to you, Kempe. How do we see change in this situation? Because we've talked about it for a long time. There's such a disconnect between everyone. How do we get some sort of alignment? Well, it's really simple. The zones don't work. The majority of the districts have said that, and they need to be given back the equity in the game, the districts. It's that simple. It's like, it's like I like to use analogies so people can understand it. The New Zealand Rugby Union has the, the provincial unions. We all saw them walking here. As, you know, They walked past here and they made the, the Silver Lake deal and sat in that boardroom and, and, and voted as equitable partners in the game. In New Zealand, that doesn't happen. You know, in 2008, Sport New Zealand set up a zone structure and the 15 districts basically were disenfranchised from voting. So now while the people like Hone Harawera, the, the Dane Gutenbills, the, the Shane Prices from Auckland, um, you've got Manawatu with Lawrence, the Tamatis in Hawke's Bay, and it goes, the list goes on, they've had enough. And the, and the biggest problem with this, if you look at the AGM report this week when it comes out, there's an audited account in there that says that the CEO and the seven directors get as much as the seven zones. Now, the seven zones under this current structure is the game. Now, you're basically saying eight people get as much money as the game does in the, in the country, and then where does the rest of the, the money go? So, well, it just makes the office bigger and the salaries bigger, and we have to stop doing that in sport and keep giving the money to the top tier. We need to cut that out, and the money just never trickles back down to the grassroots. That's the problem. If you have no equity in the game, you have no no seat at the table, you don't get to say on the structure that they run. And it really suits the NZRL at the moment. So the, the question at the moment in the community is we want the we want the we want the districts back. We want the zones removed. That's that's all that needs to happen. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Are you out there? Are you in the community? Oh, 800 Does what Kempi say resonate with you? And look, I guess, Izzy, I hear you loud and clear when you say, like, how do we get alignment? And Kempi is saying it's simple, but eventually there clearly is a huge disconnect 
there, there is a massive disconnect. So are you involved? Do you see that disconnect when you've got feet on the ground out there around Aotearoa? Double eight, double three, or 0800 150 to eleven. Thank you, Kempi. Half past seven, here's Oroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. On the other side, some sports headlines before we talk netball with the Cadbury Series underway. With Tony Kemp. This Saturday, the New Zealand Rugby League have their AGM. Great news, except none of the people who run the game nationally are invited to attend. Much like the New Zealand Rugby Union, Rugby League used to have 15 provincial league unions that made up the NZRL. However, all that changed when Sport New Zealand decided to change the model to a zone structure. This effectively removed all stakeholder equity in our game. So this AGM, like the last 12, have been nothing really than a falsehood. The true owners of the provinces have been disenfranchised of any voting rights because the failed experiment, which created seven zones, only allows these same zones to have the only seats at the table. There's no support from the majority of the community game, yet are the designated representatives of the community not elected by the community, but appointed by Sport New Zealand. Well, $15 million over the last two years was filtered through the head office. Only 6% went to their zones and nothing went to the provincial unions. That means the top tier takes the lion's share with scraps thrown to the stakeholders. You just have to listen to people like Hune Harawera, who have who we've interviewed here on the show. Grassroots Rugby League gets nothing from the NZRL. How can that happen when $15 million crosses your table? It's so shameful. Ponder this. The CEO and the board elected by Sport New Zealand receive as much money as the seven zones combined, while the districts get nothing. No funding, no equity, no wonder our game is on life support. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Oh, wow. Wow, Kempi, beautiful, mate. That is crazy. That is crazy that that's even taking place, and... I'll just, yeah, blown away that it's been allowed to happen, that, that no one's really even seen this. And, and, mate, you spoke about the zones and the districts, and it's so bloody confusing. I don't even understand how it all bloody works. But, mate, it's it's how do we get away from this? What what needs to change? How do we see some sort of change? That's the question I want to throw to you, Kempi. How do we see change in this situation? Because we've talked about it for a long time. There's such a disconnect between everyone. How do we get some sort of alignment? Well, it's really simple. The zones don't work. The majority of the districts have said that, and they need to be given back the equity in the game. The districts—it's that simple. It's like—it's like I like to use analogies so people can understand it. The New Zealand Rugby Union has the the provincial unions. We all saw them walking here, as you know. They walked past here when they made the the Silver Lake deal and sat in that boardroom and 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 voted as equitable partners in the game. In New Zealand, that doesn't happen. You know, in 2008, Sport New Zealand set up a zone structure and the 15 districts basically were disenfranchised from voting. So now while the people like Hone Harawera, the, the Dane Gutenbills, the, the Shane Prices from Auckland, um, you've got Manawatu with Lawrence, the Tamatis in Hawke's Bay, and it goes, the list goes on, they've had enough. And the, and the biggest problem with this, if you look at the AGM report this week when it comes out, there's an audited account in there that says that the CEO and the seven directors get as much as the seven zones. Now, the seven zones under this current structure is the game. You know, you're basically saying eight people get as much money as the game does in the, in the country, 
And then where does the rest of the, the money go? So, well, it just makes the office bigger and the salaries bigger. And we have to stop doing that in sport and keep giving the money to the top tier. We need to cut that out. And the money just never trickles back down to the grassroots. That's the problem. If you have no equity in the game, you have no, no seat at the table, you don't get to say on the structure that they run. And it really suits the NZR at the moment. So the, the question at the moment in the community is we want the, we want the, we want the districts back. We want the zones removed. That's, that's all that needs to happen. Beautiful. Are you out there? Are you in the community? 0800 Does what Kempi say resonate with you? And look, I guess, Izzy, I hear you loud and clear when you say, like, how do we get alignment? And Kempi is saying it's simple, but eventually there clearly is a huge disconnect. There, there is a massive disconnect. So are you involved? Do you see that disconnect when you've got feet on the ground out there around Aotearoa? Double eight, double three, or 0800 Thank you, Kempi. Half past seven, here's Oroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. On the other side, some sports headlines before we talk netball with the Cadbury Series underway. So it's time for our Mick Cafe coffee catch-up. When the All Blacks side named for the biggest test match in a long time, there will be plenty of eyes heading straight for the midfield combo. Ryan Crowley played nearly 50 times for the All Blacks. And over 150 games for the Crusaders, forming a formidable midfield combination with some of our greats. He's back in New Zealand following the top league season in Japan where he plays for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Morena Crotz. Lads, how are we? Oh, good, mate. Good, mate. Look, tell us what's been going on. Look, I've just been telling the story. Like, your nickname was Sleepy G. And uh, now you've got two kids. <laughs> Are you getting much sleep, mate? Oh, mate, none whatsoever, as you'd, you'd probably know. Um, nah, caffeine is a really essential essential part of the diet um, these days, and I'm waist deep in nappy, so, um, nah, it's, it's awesome to be home. Um, yeah, yeah, right under the pump, but, nah, good, good to be home, mate, and then, uh, Thanks for having me on. I thought when you texted the other day you were having me, you were just inviting me around for a barbecue, but um, <laughs> no, no, it was like, can you jump on the radio? I was like, oh, right, eh? here we go. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, uh, Cross. You're obviously on the table getting the massage, mate, so it's not all doom and gloom for you. You're not all about being a parent. Um, but, mate, welcome home. You're obviously over in Japan playing for Kubota. Um, you're playing with a couple of Aussies with Foley, Bernard Foley and that, mate. Tell us about that. You enjoy being over in Japan with Kubota? Yeah, it's oh, as you know, it's a good gig. They're good, good people over there. Um, Kubota's a good club. They're they're pretty um pretty family orientated, so that, that that's pretty cool. And I guess we got that many staffers. It was kind of a, a question: Do you you kind of learn Japanese or Afrikaans to, to get <laughs> get amongst the group? But um, <laughs> Japanese is, is mama. But um, yeah, but well, we've got a great crew, great, great Japanese lads. Um, the, the foreigners are awesome. Like, like I was, I was a bit skeptical with with Nardi, kind of, you know, against playing against those Aussies and the Blitters. Though you're like, man, like, are they are they good dudes? I mean, you get to know them; they're, they're absolute champions. So yeah, it's good, it's good. Good teammates. That's what I like to hear, Ryan. That's awesome. Hey, what what about uh, you've been watching the test matches? A couple of boys, uh, Dave Havili, um, obviously not on the team. We're expecting him to get named this afternoon. Uh, what are you what What are you expecting from the selections this afternoon? Uh, not too too sure. I'd say it'll make some changes, but uh, I mean, I think like after the weekend, you can kind of overthink selection and, and things like that, man. But if, if we don't give away cards, like we, you know, we're, we, I reckon we we beat Ireland 
um, nine times out of ten. So, um, yeah, oh, man, maybe some changes. I think other guys might get opportunity, which would be cool to see. But um, yeah, hard to pick. What do you got? What are you guys thinking? Oh, I'm thinking Davey's coming in. I'm thinking Davey's going to have a crack. He'll be uh, playing 12 with uh, Rico. Yeah, give Rico another crack at the centres, predicting there. But, but Crotz, you, you've played. You've played um, the Irish many times. I, I always remember that last minute when you came off the bench, you get the offload from Dane Coles to save the game, and Aaron Cruden kicks it from the sidelines, and I had an absolute shock of that game. So thank you for um, <laughs> saving us from defeat. But, mate... What makes the challenge from Ireland so difficult, mate, and in, in your experiences? Oh, man, they're just a good team. They're really good. They've got a lot of senior players. They've got, a, like, a core group that have been there for a really long time. So I think they're an experienced side. They've, they've played a lot of international um, high-pressure rugby together. So oh, I think that's one of the – part of their strengths is just how they perform well under pressure. Um but I mean, I just remember playing and just the lack of space, the lack of obvious kind of space that you, you kind of you try and find. So um, yeah, they're just a good team, man. They're just they're world class, um, well coached, good players, um, which which makes for an exciting test match coming up this weekend. Which makes for an exciting World Cup, Ryan. Hey, what about uh, the Sam Kane comment when? He was told that he was a pretty average Richard McCaw. If you were out there on the football field, we are talking about it yesterday, is that something that the team should accept or are you expecting them to step up this week and really make a statement because of that uh, comment? Um, you ask asking Crotts, mate. He's standing out of the backs of me, away from it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess, like, as he would know, the, the stuff that the All Books work on is, you know, the task focus and, and not letting um, stuff like that kind of get in the way of what you're trying to do. So it's kind of like not, not letting that kind of thing, not even acknowledging it and just just being ruthless to staying on task. And um, so if you're letting the opposition, things that they say affect what you're doing, you, they've kind of, they're in your head already. So um, no, I think it's just about all backs just going out and executing what they want to execute rather than even worrying about what Ireland is saying and, and things like that. So, um, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Sammy want to go out there and, and get stuck in like he always does. And I, I expect the guys to, to have a really good performance this weekend. What, what about the Rush D, um, Crotz? You, you've been, you know, facing the Rush D. You've been a huge uh, reason why the Crusaders have been having some success. So what do the All Blacks need to do against the Irish defence who on the weekend were just phenomenal. They're everywhere. They had bodies up on their feet. So, so as the All Blacks, what do they need to do to be able to counteract that that uh, line speed that Irish bring? Oh, that's yeah, it, mate. This is the stuff you used to talk about in our team meetings, mate. You, you know that. You know what Just mate, quick ball, man. Quick ball. You can't line speed if you go if you're not set. So it's man. Yeah. I think the stuff that the All Blacks pretty naturally talented at anyway, kind of keeping the ball alive. Um, quick yeah. ruck ball, nugget clearing it quick, like just just playing high tempo LQB. Um, if they do that, it's, it's hard to line speed. So, but man, it's something Ireland obviously spend a lot of time on, and they, and they are very good at it and, and taking away your time and space. And obviously, as you know, that puts you under pressure. So, you make kids just playing quick, playing tempo, play fast, and if, if they play the that kind of natural style that you know. 
that, that we're, Kiwis are renowned for and, and, and good at, then um, then hopefully that will that will negate some of their line speed and, and some of that pressure. What, what about that wide pass that, that Nug's been throwing to that third attacker? And we saw it have so much success in that first um, test, but the second test they kind of made the changes. Can you see that, um, yeah. you know, having a bit of innovation off that? And w- w- how do they, you know, have a plan B? Because when it got shut down on the weekend, they just couldn't, um, you know, get any attack off it. Is there any, th- any variations they could throw in with that? It's, it was quite interesting to see that, eh? And it, it's... I think it took Ireland by surprise because it is such a different shape to what you used to. You kind of used to playing out the back of that that second guy, aren't you? And, and so that that guy defending that that fourth or fifth defender, he's kind of looking for the he's thinking of looking at the backdoor guy rather than that that third runner. So it was um, I thought it was a great tactic. Um, mm. Oh, but man, it's like like it comes back to an attack. You can do anything if if, you, if you're getting quick ball, like any anything works. You know, it's if they, if they when that rack can slow that ball down, like it, you're always going to, the defense is always going to have that wee bit of advantage, no matter what kind of shape you're playing. So, you know, I mean, I just think that breakdown will be such a critical part of this week's game, and whoever kind of wins that that ruck speed battle will, will, will look like the attack will look better, and then, you know, the the game will flow a bit nicer for, for whoever wins that um that ruck battle. That ruck battle, dead right. Hey, you've played lots of football with Jack Goodyear and Dave Havili. Um, Ryan, yep. how important is it for those two to get back into into the football side of things, especially uh, into the All Blacks as a centre pairing? Do you think? Oh man, I think all the midfielders that have played, like Quinn and Reeks, have, have done an awesome job. Like they've been playing really well. I think the way Rico shifted from the wing into centre, he's he's really grown um, massively in, in that position. The last couple of years, he's he's done a great job. Um, but then, if like if Davy and Jack. Um, get the get the nod. I think one thing I love about Dave is just he, he always backs himself no matter what. I, I remember playing with him when mm. he was fullback, and he's like Daggy. He just always wants the ball, even if like there's four guys marking him, he'll still be calling for it. And you're kind of looking at him like, what are you, mate? What are you doing? Like, nah. but that's that's the mentality that those boys just back themselves no matter what. And Davey probably learns it a few Daggy, so um, that's what I, I love about him. And like if he if he's playing Test match footy, he, he's just the same. And I think Jack was Jack. He's just so so calm, so very intelligent, very smart footballer, very high IQ defensively, um, just solid. And, and he's got a massive ticker and big work rate. So I think whoever you chuck in there, that's I guess I can I can talk about those guys because I've played with them. But um, that's I think that's, those are some good qualities that they bring. And if if they get named or whoever gets named them. I'm sure they'll do a job. Prudent dag, eh? Prudent dag. <laughs> oh, the amount of time. Mate. <laughs> mate, look, I, I, I thought you would rung me this morning to come on. Like, I'm surprised you gave me like a few hours' notice. Like, you texted me yesterday. <laughs> well, I thought you'd, you'd chuck on the boat this morning. Mate, did you forget uh, your shoes this morning or what? Like, are you, mate, you're at home, mate. Yeah? He works from home. He doesn't you need to put shoes on, Cross. <laughs> I've got, oh, you... I've got bare feet on, mate. Oh, you've brought back so many memories of when I'm looking at you oh, and you're like, what are you on about? <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, you, you got two pairs today? Nah. Oh, mate. Oh, you got two pairs of shorts? Nah. Oh, we're just having lockers next to each other. Oh, it was so good. 
Oh. Crops, you're in it. You're a funny man, mate. I appreciate you coming on the show. Quickly before we let you go, uh, are you gonna, what, what, what's the plan, mate? You got, how much juice you got left in those legs? And, and what's, what are you going to do post? Oh, you going to get in some coaching mate, or what? Oh, mate, that's why, that's why Mandy was around yesterday trying to hold the carcass together. Um, nah, that's, <laughs> I guess that's a good thing with... <laughs> That's that's a good thing with Japan, man. Like, um, obviously the footy isn't as physical as it is here, and you, you get a long off season. So I'm just purely just rehab, strengthening off season, and going back for another season, which will which will be touch and go whether it's the last one or not. So um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. Um, Japan's a great place. Um, so and family family's good. So yeah, just. Just, just enjoying it, and man, I'm not, not too sure, not, not too sure what, what life no. holds after rugby. But um, well, I'm sure I can come well, to you for st- advice if, if I want to get onto <laughs> my mug onto the tally eh, or at the radio. <laughs> you can come see me, mate. Well, sure, I'm sure we can oh. sort that out, mate. Now, I'll tell you one thing: <laughs> I wouldn't mind a coffee because you're you're as tight as they come. So when you retire, mate, you'll have pocket full, so you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be oh, fine to be able to yeah. chill out, mate. <laughs> now we'll let you go, oh, Crops. Yeah. Oh, we'll cheers, mate. Hey, good to talk to you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, awesome, Brian Crotty. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to catch mate, up. Mate, he, missed, he missed you. Get around for a barbecue, Daggy. I can hear him in his. Vo- I can hear it in his voice. He, he really, really misses you. <laughs> Boy, haven't missed the, Haven't missed him for about a year and a half. Yesterday, hey, bro, how you going? Come on to my show tomorrow. Sweet ass. That's all I said. He's like, oh, hey, is he nice? Yeah, okay. <laughs> mate, brought back some mem- memories when he said that, he, you know, you're standing out there and you've got four blokes marking you, but you just want the ball. Like, you, you remind me so much of Kevin Edel. Like, we, me and him played in the centres together, but I moved to 5'8", and we were club football together. And he would yell at me and just say, give me the ball, give me the ball. And in the end, he'd scream at me, and then he'd start um, bagging me if I never yeah. got him the football. And I'd look around half the time to throw him the football, and because he was so big and fast, it blokes like all over him. I'm going, idiot, shut up. I'm not throwing you the football. You know? That was me, bro. No, I was the crotty in that, in that conversation. When he was saying, when he said, said that, I went, yeah, Crotz, I know exactly what you're talking about. He's got four defenders but one towel when he needs three of them. No shoes. Oh, <laughs> he just did absolute shambles. I just... I've got to tell you the story. So I was playing a, in um, Bloemfontein. We played the Cheetahs, my 50th game. And you get socks, and one's left, one's right. You know, I had two lefts. <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't really bother me. They're the same like, they're the same mould. It doesn't really rattle me. And he's, because he's a perfectionist, everything's got to be perfect. He was like, oh, Daggy, you're going to get a right sock? And I said, no. Why would I get a right sock, bro? LL, who cares? Move on. That stuff doesn't rattle me. He's like, oh, dang it, I couldn't play, mate. I couldn't play if I had left, left sock. I was like, oh, my God. That is him. I'll just be like, hey, I forgot my shorts. Got a spare shorts. <laughs> Hopeless. Around the Grounds with Rainbird, the intelligent use of water. Yes. Caught off to nine on a Thursday. Each and every week where we go around the grounds and find some winners, declare them morals like Joe does every Saturday morning on the mail run. <laughs> Miss you, Joe. Hey, um, here's one. We're gonna talk the, we're gonna start at the open boys and 
And Harrison Marker's come through here with something that I find really interesting, and I'm kind of going to take a spin on it. But let's go to the open. Izzy, you've said that you're all about Ryan Fox, and this tees off at the old course tonight, St Andrews. Mm. Ben Campbell, the New Zealander in the field, tees off at 5.46. So we're going to have a Kiwi to watch straight away. And then Foxy's at 10.36pm, so you'll have to pull an all-nighter if you want to watch him go daggy. But, Kempe, everybody wants to know. Who's going to win? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Oh, look, I've had a look. I've had a look at the form. I, I quite like Rory McIlroy in the last one. Um, I think he's going to go all right in this one. Uh, I can't split him with Xander Shoffle. Um, and I think Jordan Spieth is going to actually... Win. So you're tipping three, three golfers? Well... I'm, I actually think that's a decent bet. That's an $11 bet for them to shoot 68 or better in round one. So I think that's a good bet. But I'm going to go Xander Shoffley. I think on the back of what, he, what he's done in Scotland, I think his form uh, probably can get him home. So I wanted Rory McIlroy. I don't like the favourite tag. I think Xander Shoffley mm. could be close. You're going. I, know, I know where you're going with this, Kempe, because... Zander Shoffley's just coming off a win. He won his last event. And I remember, if I remember vividly, I think Justin Thomas won his last event and went on to win and go back-to-back to win the PGA. So, that's... Oh, figured you out now. I've got you. Okay. <laughs> so whoever's got some hot form. Zander Shoffley, is he going to win his first major? That'll be huge. You know when a group, horse, when a group one horse is in the, in the gates and it looks over at the others? And, the, and it's yeah. just basically saying, I got you. Yeah, that's what happens mm. at these events. They, they're group one boys, and if reckon, their form is good going into a round, generally you, you want to jump on the back of it. The only thing with that but theory would but. be Xander Shoffley would be like a rating 74 horse going into a group one and looking at them and saying, I'm going to beat you. Because yeah, he hasn't yeah. won one before. Yeah, but I reckon yeah, you'll break your always break your duck. I reckon this is it for him. <laughs> he has been knocking on the door for a number of years. Mm. His second favourite at fifteen dollars. Uh, hey, I'm going for something that's a little bit rough, but not too rough. I think Harrison's right, boys. The golf is life, and there is some crazy value on every LIV golf player this week. Pick the guys with swagger who won't be overcome. Now he said that DJ Bryson are the ones he's looking out for. I tell you who's going to win. Who won? at St Andrews 12 years ago. Louis Oosthuizen, where he got his one major. Louis. I think Louis Oosthuizen, who has been in notoriously terrible form this year at the majors, which has been way out of character, he's usually contending. He's been second at US Opens, knocking on the door at PGA Championships, continuously top-tenning at the Masters. And with his newfound dollars and swagger from the LIV Tour, I think he goes back to St Andrews, where he won the 139th Open, and he knocks the door down and bangs it home. I'd expect him to be going really close top 10 and probably winning it. <laughs> Is that because of his name, Louis? <laughs> what, about the giggle, what about the giggle on the back of it, Louis Louis? We know who likes Louis oh. Louis. Hi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she's, uh, she's battling a bit of COVID at the moment, Shannon. Anyway, that's, uh, that's who I'm going. Should we got to keep going? we got to keep going. Tonight on SCNZ, Cadbury Series, Silver Ferns vs New Zealand men, 8pm. Silver Ferns. Mate, they looked good last night. They did look good. Mm. You know, they nearly got them by 20, uh, the A-team. I was expecting a little bit more out of the A-team, but I think there's more improvement in the Silver Ferns. I'm going Silver Ferns. Warriors Parramatta, 
tomorrow. Kempi, you got the call here on ECNZ with Sammy Hewitt at Combat Stadium, 9.55pm. Well, I, I didn't like what, what Tony Ira had to say. You've got two attack coaches in, in Webby and uh, Stace, and the current head coach is a defensive coach. Nah, don't, not, not liking it, is he? I'm going Parramatta yeah. to do it in a canter. I'll go Warriors. <laughs> 10 p.m. in Ireland. Can uh, Michael Bracewell do this again? Inviting the big shot from Bracewell. And there it is. Beautifully dispatched over mid on. Bracewell finishes 42 not out. He just keeps winning the game for us. Can we do it? Hey, cool. yeah, Black Cat's easy, but how good's that? Because we went to England and everyone was questioning his selection in the Black Cat's over AJ's Patel. Mate, he's really making a statement there and um, just showing what his class. So, yeah, I'm Black Caps all day. Yeah, this is Bracewell's time. Black Caps, he hits the, he hits the winning run again. You know, funny thing about Michael Bracewell, another guy like Daryl Mitchell who's had a life before him, before mm. he's gone into this, this setup. he's an adult, mm. he is an older guy, he's played a lot of domestic cricket, and you're not surprised to see him not be flustered on the world stage. So, loving it. Loving the Michael Bracewell story. And, uh, look, All Blacks Ireland Saturday, 7.05pm Sky Stadium, where the graveyard is for the All Blacks in Wellington. This is the test of tests outside a World Cup or a Lions series. They've said it, Izzy. Can they win? I'm going to be there in the stands. I just haven't told Daisy yet. I'm just trying to figure out how I tell her that I'm going to the game. And uh, I think... <laughs> just, do what my I think... Ma- just do what my mum said and see she's going to get a packet of cigarettes. She didn't come home for three years. <laughs> oh. <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to go away for three years. Do you, do you I'll smoke? go away for, for 18 hours. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That's, that's bad. Uh, look, I think all... <laughs> yeah, joking, the joking. I think the All Blacks. Um, yeah, All Blacks, mate. All day. All day, all every day. day. I, can't be- I can't even believe you. you've got a stutter in your voice there, mate. All Blacks. <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. All Blacks. Hey. All Blacks. Well, I don't want to leave on this note, but I, I, don't, I don't think they win. Um, so we'll finish with Matt's text. Ben Campbell to finish top 40, playing four, paying $9. Thank you, Matt. And Adam Fahey, he reckons Abraham answer with a top Tet 24, Ryan Fox. There you go. So, that's Around the Grounds with Rainbird, the intelligent use of water. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.